Good morning. God is so good to us, and it is so good to be together with you and look into God's Word together. I hope you brought your Bible this morning. If you didn't, just pull one out from the pew in front of you. Open right up to the middle. You'll be right near Psalm 81. That's our scripture for today, Psalm 81, and then uh, another one verse from the book of Luke. But we'll start with Psalm 81. This is God's word for us today, so listen. Listen to what he has to say. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our festal day. For it is a statute for Israel, an ordinance from, of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went over to the land of Egypt. I hear a voice I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I rescued you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O oh my people, while I admonish you. O oh Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to the foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Friends, this is God's word for us. And let's turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6. Just one verse. 6, 38. This is Jesus speaking here in the midst of a long, um, a long piece of teaching from him. I just want to pull out this one verse. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are living and moving among us. Open our ears to hear you speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. There was an ad that appeared in Life magazine in October of 1960. It showed a big fish, there it is, and a Zippo lighter. Now, doesn't that make you wonder what that's all about? It turns out that uh, there was a story reported by Mr. Harry Best, 
a recently retired New York State fish and game officer, that uh, while fishing on Oneida Lake, a man caught an 18-pound northern pike, and there it is. When the fisherman opened up the fish to clean it, he found a Zippo lighter in its stomach. I bet that fish was surprised when he opened wide to take that bite, that shiny thing. Well, the fisherman decided to see if the lighter still worked, and so he flicked it open, and it lit on the first try. <laughs> How's that? That fish knew how to open wide, and he got a surprise. We can learn a lesson from that fish, ugly as he is. We can learn a lesson about how we relate to God, or how we can relate to God, opening wide. He serves as a model for us, that fish. In our psalm today, Psalm 81, we hear God urging us to open wide. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. If you closed your Bible, I invite you to pull that out again and open back up to Psalm 81 and look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Now there's a strange idea. Open wide your mouth. Everyone want to try it? Just open wide. Come on, open wide. I should have brought a camera with me. You feel kind of silly, don't you? A little weird, maybe a little vulnerable. Open wide? What is God getting at here? Where does this strange idea come from? Well, let's put it in the context of this psalm. When I was in junior high, my family moved from New Hampshire to upstate New York, near Syracuse, in the small city of Fulton. But we still went home every Thanksgiving to my grandparents' house in Woodstock, New Hampshire, to celebrate Thanksgiving. And it was a long drive, all the way across the New York State Thruway, up and over Mount Killington in Vermont, and lots of twisty roads in New Hampshire. A long drive. So we developed this way of celebrating. When we finally got to the New Hampshire border from Vermont, we would all be ready, and as soon as we hit that border and entered New Hampshire, we would start to sing. And we had a whole repertoire of Thanksgiving songs. We would start out, of course, with Over the River and Through the Woods to Grandmother's House we go, because that just seemed to fit. We sang that elementary school classic, A Turkey Sat on a Barnyard Gate. You know that one? And he sang a sad, sad tune. Thanksgiving Day is coming, gobble, 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 and I know I'll be eaten soon. It goes on and on. And a wonderful song that we learned in church choir based on Psalm 64 that has a beautiful part in it about how the valleys stand so thick with corn that they laugh and sing. We would sing our way to Thanksgiving. God's people, the Israelites, had a holiday like Thanksgiving that God had established for them. It was called the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. And God had created that holiday for them in a very similar way that our Thanksgiving does for us as a way to stop after the harvest has been brought in and say thank you 
to look at God and say, thank you for all your blessings to us. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And singing went with that holiday also, just like singing went with my family's Thanksgiving. There were psalms written for this festival of booths, and it seems that Psalm 81 was probably one of those songs that was written for this festival. How perfect for us to be in Psalm 81 as we move toward Thanksgiving, because this is a psalm of thanksgiving. And it starts out with a call for us to praise God. It says, shout aloud, sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. It calls on the congregation to shout and sing and strum the harp and blow the trumpet and just make a big deal of praising God. Commands us to stop and remember and to think about God's mercy and grace. And that carries us through as you look down through the first five verses. And then at verse 6, we get a change, a change of tone, a change of speaker. Instead of the psalm writer speaking to the congregation, here in verse 6, God speaks, and we hear God's voice for the rest of the psalm. And there's a change in the mood here, too. It switches at verse 6 from, hooray, praise God, to, what is going on here? What is going on here? I love the Psalms. There's always so much happening in them. Look at verse 6 and following. God is speaking here, and he says to his people, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In your distress, you called, and I rescued you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about when his people, God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt, and they were burdened by uh, the hard work that they had to do making bricks and building things. That's the burden and the basket that it's talking about. And God is saying, don't forget, I took you out of slavery and I met you in the wilderness and spoke to you in thunder and I provided water for you at Meribah to see if you would trust me or not. God is saying here, look where we've been together. Don't forget. Don't forget our history together. Look what I've done. Don't forget. But it seems like God's people here are forgetting. Look at verse 8 and 9 and 10. It says, Hear, O my people, God is saying, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He's saying, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget all I've brought you through. Don't forget who I am, God is saying. And look at verse 10. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. And then open wide your mouth and I 
will fill it. What does he mean by that? How do we open wide? Well, imagine a nest of baby birds. Imagine them sitting in their nest with their little mouths wide open, waiting for the mama bird to come and give them some food. And imagine if one of those little birds just clamped her little mouth shut and wouldn't take what the mother bird had to give. She wouldn't last very long, would she? Because she needs that food to eat. God is longing to fill us with good things. But sometimes we refuse and we clamp our mouths shut and refuse to open up. Open wide. Who is it that we usually hear say that phrase to us? Open wide. Sometimes we hear that at the dentist's office, don't we? Open wide. And I know a lot of really wonderful dentists, and I am so grateful for the work that they do. But I have to admit, when I see a dentist coming at me like that, I don't know, it doesn't make me want to open wide because I think maybe some pain is on the way. What about God? When we hear God say, open wide, do we wince? Do we clamp our mouths shut, wondering if pain is on the way? Open wide your mouth, God says, and I will fill it. Lauren Winner writes this, Something inside me resists the idea of God as the one who provides for me. The notion of God as provider sits uncomfortably with a story I like to tell myself, a story that says I am ultimately responsible for myself, that I can look out for myself because no one else will, and that I can be proud of all the ways I've taken care of myself over the years. Or sometimes we can't receive from God the good stuff that he wants to give us in our lives because we've got our mouths full of other things. We're like that fish that gobbles up shiny objects that will not feed him. That's exactly what's happening to God's people here in this psalm. Verse 8 says, Hear my people, and I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign gods among you. You shall not worship any other god than me. They're filling their hearts and their minds with false gods. Now when we hear that one, we may say, oh good, well, that's an easy one for me. Because most of us don't have little God statues up on our mantelpiece that we make sacrifices to and bow down to, so we think, well, we got that one covered. But you know, a God is anything or anyone apart from the one true God. Anything that we think we absolutely have to have in order to be okay. In order for our lives to be okay, we have to have this thing or this person or this amount of money or this job. If we have anything like that besides the one true God that we feel we must have, then that thing is a God to us. And the living God is saying to us here that 
we can only live on what he feeds us. That those other things are like trying to live on a Zippo lighter in our stomachs. What are we eating? What are we putting inside us thinking that it will sustain us and give us real life? Is it stuff that will really give us life or not? Open wide, God says. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. What God is trying to tell us here is that we can trust him We can trust him. We may be afraid to open up because we think he's going to fill our lives with things we don't really want. But look what he says here at the end. He says, I'm standing here with a warm loaf of bread right from the oven and some beautiful wildflower honey. Look at the last verse. He says, I would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. That's why he wants us to open wide. God's saying here, you've got the best food waiting. And you've got your mouths full of stuff that's not even real food. It's really the human story, isn't it? It goes way back to Adam and Eve where God put them in the garden, told them, you can eat from any of the trees of this garden that I've put in front of you. Except that one that I... I told you it was off limits and you've already got your mouths full of it. So what do we do? What do we do about this tendency of ours to clamp our mouths shut when God says open wide? Or to fill our mouths with things that won't really feed our souls? Well, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. Why should we trust God enough to open wide? Look what he says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. I am the Lord your God. And we wouldn't say who brought us up out of the land of Egypt because that's not where we were, but what would you put in that blank? What would you do to finish that sentence? I am the Lord your God who... Who did what? What has God brought you out of? What has God done for you that you can look back on and say, that was God taking care of me? Sometimes we have a hard time remembering. And that's why we need each other's stories and each other's testimonies. And we can lean on each other's faith during those times when we find it hard to remember. Maybe we open our mouths to God by, be, by remembering and by being grateful for what God has done. And Jesus in our scripture in Luke today gives us another clue about how we open wide to God. Listen again to what he says here. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We open wide by remembering who God is and being grateful for what God has done. And also by being open-hearted and generous with others. We can never outgive 
God. And it's when we open wide our hearts and our hands and share generously what we have that we find ourselves open to what God has for us. Martin Luther said, I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. That's why we spend time on stewardship. That's why we're spending time this fall again on stewardship because how we handle our money affects how we relate to God. Our theme this year for our stewardship focus is one word, grateful. Because that's what it's really all about, being grateful. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It can be so hard for us to open wide, to believe that when we're open wide to give, we're open wide to receive from God. The stewardship doesn't really happen in the checkbook. It happens in the heart. Lauren Mead says this, Stewardship is the one place the church touches the most sensitive nerve in each of us, our wealth. This is the one place more than any other that we are at our deepest spiritual poverty. The real work of stewardship is to help us grow spiritually. The problem is that too easily money becomes a way for us to avoid the fearful helplessness that opens us up to grace and forgiveness. To paraphrase John Maxwell, it's not what your money is doing for you, it's what your money is doing to you. When we're open wide to give, we're open wide to receive from God. There's a story of a little boy who went to the store with his dad, and in the store was a big jar full of candy. And as they're getting ready to leave, the store manager says to the boy, just reach in there, son, and just grab a handful before you go. It's okay. And the little boy refuses to do it. So the manager says again, it's okay. Just You can reach right in there. Just take a handful. Take it home with you. And again, the little boy refuses to do it. So finally, the store manager reaches in himself and grabs him a big handful and hands it to him to go. And as they're leaving the store, the father says to his son, son, why didn't you... Why, why, why didn't you uh, take him up on that offer to, to reach in and grab a handful? And the little boy said, Dad, that store manager's hands were a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> Somebody once called it the big shovel principle. As I shovel blessings out, the Lord shovels them back in, and his shovel's a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> a lot bigger than mine. Give. Jesus said, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. He says the measure you use to give will be the measure used to give back to you. When Bill and I got married, some of our bridesmaids and groomsmen took a humongous bouquet of balloons and stuffed it into our car so that when we left the church and got ready to leave for our honeymoon, we could barely fit ourselves into the front seats. There were balloons everywhere. So we sat in the front seats and 
kind of handed the balloons out the window, and Bill's Uncle Art came right up to his window and said, oh, yeah, I'll take the balloons. I'll take them. And, and so we were handing them out as fast as we could. And unbeknownst to us, Uncle Art was opening the back door and shoving them right back in. <laughs> Isn't that what God does for us? As fast as we can hand out blessings, as open as we can be to share our blessings, he's opening the back door and filling it right back up faster than we ever could. Open wide. Next week, as Bob said, is our Commitment Sunday, and we'll have the chance to put in writing what we each feel God is calling us to give in the next year. And I want you to know this isn't about budgets. It's about our need to open wide to God so we don't miss the blessings that he has for us. All of this, this building and all our programming and everything could be swept away in a tornado this week. And I would still preach the same sermon and I would still bring those commitment cards next week. Because this isn't about fundraising. It's a spiritual thing. It's about our relationship to God and listening to him as he invites us to open wide. Once upon a time, there was a new emperor that was crowned in China. And as a way of celebrating his coronation, his nobles declared that everyone in the land was to bring this emperor a gift of rice. Now, some people in the land thought, man, what does the emperor need my rice for? He's got everything. And so they only brought him a little dish. A couple people only brought him a little thimble. Well, some people brought a basket, and some people filled up whole wagon loads full of rice. And on the appointed day, there was a huge long line snaking out of the palace. And one by one, the emperor invited each person to come in walk through the palace to the storage room and dump their rice there. And then as they made their way out, he invited them to walk through their tre his treasure room and fill up whatever container they had brought with gold. We cannot outgive God. Will you open wide? Let's pray together. God, this is a hard one for us. You know, you know how frail we are and how attached we get to the blessings you give us. But we believe in your power, your power that sets us free, that sets us free to be open to whatever it is you have for us. And we don't want to miss that, God. So today, once again, we fling open the doors of our heart to you. We fling open our mouths to you and say, God, we are open to you. Whatever you want, it's all yours. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Amen.